Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Hey, Ruben Amilkoff. I'm Guy. That's John. If you're watching on YouTube, that's great. We appreciate it. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to the podcast, that's great, too. If you're watching, you can check out the podcast link in the description. If you're listening, you can check out the YouTube link in the description. We are brought to you by on this Halloween. What mask is that? What do you got there, John? I have no clue. It is a skull mask that John is wearing. And uh, we're brought to you by Tito's. Handmade vodka. The, the beauty is you only changes your look from the eyebrows down when you put on the skull mask. I think there's like a tattoo that goes on the bottom, I think. Uh, th- there is a there is a cheers that has to go out. Mm. The performance that the Italian stallion, James... William, I don't even think that's his real name. Jimmy Garoppolo put on on Monday Night Football was one that you just can't for overthrowing balls, getting sacked left and right. I was asked last night, do you think he's the worst starting quarterback in the NFL? Not counting, all, you know, the DeVito, all the backups that are now starting. Yeah, yeah. Like week one, when you looked around the league. Paying him $35 million, those guys. Don't count the the several rookies, just the the guys that are on a second or more contract. I don't know if he's the worst, but I would say this year he's been a bottom five quarterback. He, he's been, he's been at least like Daniel Jones. He can run, right? Deshaun's been fucking objectively awful. I would say he'd be right there. I mean, it's Jimmy brings nut, can't throw it downfield, is not accurate, and cannot move. Like he, he's just, I, what's his like positive attribute? Uh, yeah, the ball comes out quick. He sees it quickly, but he looks like a panicked mess on Monday Night Football, right? But even that if would get be that would be his quick. plus trait is he knows how to operate. Yeah, in theory, well, that's that's the thing. Coaches are always like, "Oh, operate like Josh." You keep rolling this guy out. Well, he didn't. At, at least if you, but at least if you're running the rookie out, you're like, "Hey, let's just see what he's got." When you run that out and you don't have a chance on God's green earth to win, you need a pick six, a fumble, just to be down ten. You know, it's like God, you you, you suck. He looked. You know what he looked like was a broken quarterback on Monday. He looked like a damaged, broken player, afraid, inaccurate. I mean, it just it's that's all there is to it. It's it's crazy. Uh Devontae Adams, what a mess. We are sponsored by that's a Tito's toast. He just gave uh ironic Tito's toast to Jimmy. Didn't mean it. I could tell that was a, that was a not a sincere Tito's toast there from John. Tito's handmade vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, 40% alcohol by volume. Uh, whether you're consuming this on Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving, Halloween, or uh, into November. No better time to break out of Tito's than now. We appreciate Tito's for their sponsorship, and uh, we hope you do too. 40% alcohol by volume. Did I say that part? Yeah. Namely, 80 proof. Crafted to be savored responsibly. Say it again. All right, John. We're recording this Tuesday after the uh, an hour and 42 minutes after the NFL trade deadline, and the 49ers traded for Washington Commandeers. Soon to be free agent pass rusher Chase Young. They traded a third round pick for him. Uh, they'll have they've got multiple compensatory picks coming up in 2023, and um, 
And if they don't re-sign him, maybe they'll get one for him as well. But what was your first reaction? The, 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 well, the well, what, once I saw the, the the compensation, you realize with Steve Wilkes, the well could be running dry for a year or two. Uh, once they get rid of all the Rand Carthen, D'Amico, Ryans, Robert Salas, Mike McDaniels, Martin Mayhew picks were all gone. I don't think we have to worry, at least in the immediate, unless it dramatically changes, of Steve Wilkes becoming a head coach in 2024. Uh, but I thought their defensive line is just underachieved. I don't know if you saw the clip from Sherman's podcast. He thought that the scheme is fucking everybody up. You know, historically, Sala and I think D'Amico played was a little different than Robert, but kept similar concepts. He was just, I would say, ironically, more likely to blitz where Robert played that Pete Carroll rush for play zone defense and our defensive line dominates. Now it also helps when you have Buckner and Armstead much younger at the time, dominating a rookie Bosa. And at the time they got, remember D Ford long gone now, but I think he had like seven or eight sacks that year. I mean, their, their starting four was if you, if you look at their, when all those guys are done playing football, there's going to be a lot of money paid to those four individuals. Right. And I think this defense, and he was even saying they're running a lot of stunts, twists, blitzes, running a lot of man on early downs. I, I think the scheme, I think the hard part about football, right? If you're just watching a baseball player, if Corey Seager, you watch him for a month and he's batting 100 and striking out all the time, like that's it's kind of on him. Like he just can't hit, right? Or a basketball player just missing a bunch of shots. Like he's just out of rhythm. In football, you go, was well, Dick Post terrible or is this scheme really messing with him? There was a play that final touchdown uh, I saw, I can't the remember. The run who, to the pylon around him. Throws up his hands. Yeah. Because you got, I don't pretend to be Mr. Schematic Bill Parcells here, defensive football, but every person has a gap or a lane in football. And that's a good example where clearly they were blitzing a guy. I, I think it was either the nickel corner or the linebacker, and everyone was out of whack, and no one sets the edge. There's not even a player there to even – People miss tackles in that scenario. But when a guy just walks in, that to me is what I'm critical of Brandon Staley. Like your players don't know what's going on because someone is not in the right spot. And that's why Bosa kind of throwing his hands is even if he misses the tackle, there should just be another individual that if he's going to score, he's got to either go around or go through. And so it's hard to tell. Like this was when we talked after the game, I wondered like, okay, are you going to get really bold and trade for a corner for a corner? They are very scheme-specific. Sherman's a great example. Richard Sherman could not just play and be an all-pro year in, year out, just as a true man. He's an elite zone corner. Marcus Peters last night had the pick six, and they were rattling off all his picks since he came in the league. He is not a man corner at all either. He's an instinctive break on the ball. and He'll eat you alive. Maybe not as much now, but in the peak of his powers. So I offensively, if you can just get the ball to Devontae Adams, like he can make plays. I don't give a shit who, but you got to get him the ball. Defensively, you can add Chase Young, but what are we, or Jalen Johnson, or if they had traded for Sertan, I still think the deep defensive scheme is clearly way out of whack. Now, luckily, I would say defensive linemen, for the most part, you can just rush. But I would say their defensive line this year has been an embarrassment for their standards. Correct me if I'm wrong. For the, for the, for the most part. Wasn't Sherman's some, part of Sherman's criticism that they weren't just rushing, that they were playing too many quote-unquote games? Wasn't that part of his criticism? Yeah, like running stunts and twists yeah, exactly. on top of doing man instead of just like play your zone defense and rush the four and let them eat. 
which if you were going to defend them, you'd say like guys that do that are usually guys who feel like their team's not talented enough. Right. Is that a fair, yeah. is that a fair? Yeah. So oh, maybe well, it was, I, I would say certain coaches like Wink Martindale is blitzing nonstop, whether he's got Ray Lewis or he's got me and you, like I would say certain coaches have, but don't you think there's identity. a difference between blitzing and like four man pass rush games, which it, it maybe that's not what Sherman was talking about. But it felt like that's a little bit what Sherman was talking about. Like they were trying to create artificial pressure. Yeah, maybe he was talking about more more about blitzing. But. No, no, I I think you're right too. I, but I would say it, it's all intertwined. Uh, Next Gen Stats says that Nick Bosa is fourth in the league in pressures, and Chase Young is fifth in the league in pressures. PFF says he's sixth in the league. PFF says Bosa leads the league in hits, which. You know, hits might mean you're just late, right? The ball's already out. I, the hope, if you're the Niners, is that this makes your whole team better, that it also makes Nick better. Like, that part of the problem for Nick, he's late, he's getting hits but not sacks, because he's getting rerouted. He's getting blocked by multiple guys. Now, if that happens, it doesn't really matter if Nick Bosa gets four sacks in a game or if the team gets four sacks in a game. They all count the same. There's no question they upgraded their team here, right? I mean, this guy's been playing really good football by every measure. He's got more sacks than Nick at this point. Well, I, I think, too, by the price that they paid. I think if it was a second, you'd go, well, they better win a couple playoff games to make this worth it, right, given that they have not had a lot of picks the last couple of years. But given that it's the third at the end of the round where they just drafted a kicker, <laughs> it's like – And a hurt tight end. And, and in fairness – why did they have to do not just this, but a draft Randy Gregory, or I mean, excuse me, trade for Randy Gregory, who now gets to just become a backup is because Drake Jackson is just nothing, right? Let's face it. Like, yep. that's why you have to do this. It's because the guy you drafted hoping could be a really good player clearly is just not, you know? So I, everything in the NFL always has ripple effects. Like, why did you do this when you're a good team? Well, clearly you have a hole there for a reason. Right. Like I, I asked the Eagles, I was like, why did you guys trade? Like, what was the the logic behind Bayard? They're like, well, our two starting our nickel corner and then his backup both out for the season. So it like has a domino effect. It's like, well, we got to move Bradbury in sometimes. And this guy, well, our backup safety is not as good. It just now that Bayard can do that. It's kind of like with Chase Young. Well, our defensive line is not as good as it was last year. Losing the couple guys that became free agents and went other places. You know, we laugh of the, you know, trading for Willis from, uh, you know, the Jets or not laugh, but, you know, those type players, Amenahu, uh, you know, okay. rotational players, Arden Key. But like as a like as a group of those guys, like they were a winning group to go along on the other side of Nick, right? You could just rotate them all. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like right now, that's not the way it looks. It just doesn't. And you're paying all this money for Hargrave, so I, I, I don't mind it. I, I think it's an easy trade to make, even that you're probably, I don't think there's any guarantee. And plus, what do you pay a guy? He didn't have his fifth year option picked up. He's battled injuries. Like he still has a lot to prove just in terms to get his market value back, despite having a really good season. But this, as we've seen with McCaffrey, as we saw with Emmanuel Sanders, as we saw with other, as we saw with all the defensive linemen, I just read a lot. This is a great place to just kind of revitalize your career. And he kind of, he was in Washington, but I'd say there's a bigger spotlight on him immediately coming here, right? Yeah, yeah, there is. And it's kind of a similar situation where it was not just him, right? It was Montez Sweat who got traded for a second. I think a lot of people wanted a corner, but to your point on value, Jalen Johnson wasn't going to cost a third 
Patrick Sertan definitely was not going to cost a third. And Jalen Johnson wants to get paid too. But whatever, not your problem. Um, but those guys were going to cost a second, maybe a second and a first. They they are way more to me if I was talking about the scheme. The, the cornerbacks make me nervous if you're not super comfortable. If it's D'Amico, any position I feel good about, I could not say the same about DB. That's a position that you can take a good player and make him look like a scrub immediately if you're not running comf- coverages he's comfortable asking him to play. However he plays at his best, if he does something a little different than Ward, you can't just be like, well, you run this coverage. You run-. That's not the way it works. For the most part, with defensive line, like if it's first and 10 and you're running left, like Chase Young just plays the run. Right? Yeah. He, yep. he would do that for Jack Del Rio as he would do that for Steve Wilkes. It's much more baseball, basketball plug and play at that position than it is the other positions on the back end of the defense. I hate giving this guy credit because I think he, some of his takes are just on purposely bananas. And then he acts like uh, all high and mighty above it. It's kind of bullshit is Emmanuel Acho. He did have a good take on Steve Wilkes. Okay. Now to get to that take, you had to get through just, it's like Emmanuel, just get to your fucking point. He said, you know, the difference between Robert Saul and D'Amico Ryan and what's going on this year. He's like Robert Saul linebacker coach front seven guy. Yeah. D'Amico literally a linebacker. And he's like, he was teammates with Ocho and Shady. Wilkes at his core is a DB guy. So where you, you know, what do linebackers in the front, like your tough guys are like your linebacker coach or D-line coach. Your DB coach is typically the guy that might be destined to be a head coach because he's going to be a coordinator and then he's going to transition immediately to be a head coach. He's Mike Tomlin. He's Herm Edwards. He's Tony Dungy because you see the whole field, right? And then you hire a really good defensive line coach. And you see the game differently. And there was an element, and I think this speaks to, obviously, those guys on the field chest bumping, but they chest bumped like they were also the middle linebacker. Like, Sala and D'Amico chest bumped like, I'm in the unit with my group. Where where Wilkes views it from, like, the macro head coaching view. And you, it's hard to, a D lineman's going to be a D lineman. Makes me a little nervous, Uh I was like, God, I hate that. I got to give this guy credit, but that's a good point. It is a good point. And he is like a DB coach still. Like when you go to a Niner practice, it's the DBs that he spends the practice starts. They're in team. They're in um, positional drills. That's where he spends his time coaching. Well, just DB. think about where coaches gravitate toward, right? Where does John gravitate toward standing behind the safety? Yeah. Where does Kyle he's gravitate toward? He's talking to either the quarterbacks or the wide receivers constantly. Like it, it, you just grab. Andy Reid, you get a practice. Like, he kind of likes the lineman at his core and the quarterback. Mm. Like, you, you kind of are who you are as a coach. And I, I think it's very, very risky what you would have had to. You, you're also what you would have had to pay to get Jalen Johnson. Are you comfortable then giving him more money than Ward? You know, either this right now or this offseason. Uh, and I, I just, I don't like to make desperate moves when I, I don't feel the way you're playing right now as a player away. And I'm glad they didn't do that. Because you could have justified, now they ended up, I don't know if shooting down, like we're just not going to accept a trade. Maybe they just weren't getting good offers. I don't know how that one worked. But you look at the two players, like the Bears, who gave their second-round pick again. I mean, that's insane for just the right to re-sign this guy. So he goes for pick 33. And the Niners, I mean, give or take somewhere between 55 and 65. Or excuse me, no, no, the third round. So you're talking 95 to 105 range for a D-line. It's a neat, now sweat. I did some research talking to my buddies in that that just played him. He's a better player. 
you would rather have Sweat. Sweat is better than Chase Young. Now, I think Chase, they feel better about like his character and makeup. I think Sweat's a little bit of a wild card, uh, but he's a better player, hence why he goes for more. Because I can imagine the Niners wanted Sweat. Right? If you wanted Young, I think there's a pretty good chance they'd want Sweat too. And they, who knows? Maybe they offered like a, their second and a four. And the, and the Washington's like, uh, yeah, it's not close to being good enough. And if you're the Niners, you're like, God, dude, we're offering a lot. You have they to offer a first to overcome the Bears' second. Yeah, their second is so good, there's nothing you can offer. You're not willing to offer what it would take. So you're like, well, we'll take the other guy. What are the best offers out there? They're like, ah, oh, we got some mid-round picks. Well, we'll give our comp third. I, I think that's pretty good value for a, a immediate starting defensive lineman. And at this rate, if he's healthy, plays well for you, is going to get a contract that may get you that comp third back anyway in 2025, right? And maybe it goes well enough. You got a lot of cap space. You're going to be in the market for more D linemen, right? Like, who are they going to sign this offseason? A D lineman and a corner and offensive lineman. Like, they're not they're not signing DBs, or excuse me, they're not signing wide receivers. They're not signing skill. They're not signing running backs. They got two linebackers under contract. Not signing that. They they got safeties and they just drafted one. Who fungus young? Like that's who they're going to pay. O lineman, D lineman, and probably a DB. And I would imagine with their first round pick, they draft something like that. The only position you could, I guess, see them draft is like a tight end to go along with Kittle. High, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I, a, I would never. I would say also like depending on what happens with Ayuk. Never be shocked if they take a receiver if they were to not bring Ayuk back or trade Ayuk. If if he is no longer in the mix, then yes, I would agree there. Um, you mentioned Sweat, so let's talk about Chase Young, who, you know, when he came into the league, he lived up to the hype. He was the rookie of the year. He was a pro bowler. He was the number two pick. Like, you look at him, he's taller than Miles Garrett. He's 6'5". He's fucking massive. He, he is like, you like, I look at him and think, you know, I like Bosa. But I really like when they look like this guy, right? He is like the 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 Buckner, Miles Garrett, spread my wings and swallow you up type player. Um, and he's been productive this year. Like, that's the thing. For a guy who we're coming up on, it's almost two weeks from his ACL tear two-year anniversary. Um, and that changed his whole career, right? I mean, if that doesn't happen, he's probably already – he had his fifth-year option picked up and maybe signed an extension with the commanders. <clears throat> well, you know what? He went to a school like Nick and Joey that is basically what the way they recruit, like Alabama and Georgia, what Pete Carroll was doing in the two th- 2000s. Like, I immediately went to both the rivals for Nick and Chase. Chase was the eighth player in his class. For example, Nick, who obviously was an elite recruit too, was the 21st overall player. So Chase was... Closer to one, way closer to one than Nick. Like, who are the top look at him, players in his class? God, that's that's a, that's a, that's a hell of a question. Uh, l- let me let me read them out. Najee Harris, Marvin Wilson, Cam Akers, your boy Alex Leatherwood, uh, Josh Kenyatta, Jalen Phillips, and Walker Little. I would wow. say overall, that's a pretty good class. That is a really good class. Yeah. <laughs> Because Phillips is a damn good player. Walker Litter, Little, beside the injuries. Got drafted high even though he was hurt. Najee Harris. Najee, Jim Harbaugh was flying player. a helicopter into his high school games. Remember that? Yeah, so I mean, it's... I would say if you get a player recently from Ohio State, it feels like they are all blue chip of the blue chip. Yeah. Nick Bosa, looking back, probably should have been a little higher in his class, I would say. Yeah. Like, got, McCole Hardeman was higher. <laughs> I would imagine Nick physically – I mean, I'm not knowing what he looked like coming out of high school, but I know what he looked like coming out of college was a 
you know, was a pro. I maybe, yeah, that's crazy, especially given the Joey situation. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, Promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M. Save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, so how, how good you texted around the league. Let's get some scouts takes on NFL executive takes on chase young. Looks like from the numbers, he's been playing well. You watch him. He's been healthy. He's already played the Eagles twice this year, which is interesting. He could end up playing the Eagles four times if you meet him in the playoffs. So you hope he's a PT peer, but what are they saying? What are you hearing? Uh, let me grab this. One thing that stood out in talking to people was I think sometimes earlier in his career after his rookie of the year, he tried to do everything. Like Miles Garrett has elite bend, like Vaughn Miller. So they have power, but they also can just get around you with speed. I think you see that right now with Reddick with the Eagles. Like to me, he's a speed rusher and he's, he's like a cat quick guy. Bosa really at the end of the day is much more speed than he is. I would say Khalil Mack power. Like he doesn't lift guys up and drive them back in. That is chase young's game. And honestly, when you just look at him, some of these still photos, you're like kind of clowny ish, just in terms of the size, the girth. And I think sometimes when you're that big and strong, you have some stiffness. So as long as he plays to just, just go through the guy, 
just be physical. It's sometimes, and I don't blame anybody. It's like uh, probably shooting a fadeaway three or go driving for a layup. It's probably fun to try to go around guys, but when you don't have the and and we're talking about the elite of the elite, and, and Bosa has this is that ability to bend the edge is, you know, he's a little stiffer that way where sweat, I think is a little bendier and like longer limbed. And so the knock on him sometimes is he doesn't just hang his hat on what he does well. And I think it's why he's had some at, at points in times. And some of it might've just been his injury. He wasn't rehab. He wasn't fully back was people question like, does he embrace what he is? Cause say what you want about Khalil Mack in the prime of his career he embraced, like, I'm the most physical guy on the field. I think you watch Aaron Donald, he embraces that. And I think sometimes defensive ends that get in trouble, Clowney is a good example, just play with power, play with power. It's hard, and it takes a toll on I would imagine it exhausts you, right? I think a lot of people say Nadama can sue underachieved. Probably just gets tiring trying to drive an offensive lineman back every time, even though that's your greatest advantage. So uh, I, I just – other things, let's see. Like the one thing talking to someone from Washington was like, he's a really good player. I think the problem is people started anointing him in the great category, and he's just not on that tier. And maybe he could have been if the injury hadn't derailed him, uh, but San Fran gave up the appropriate amount. I really like him. Really good guy. I think he'll fit right in there. I, some people, I, I got texts like, why do you think they're doubling down on a position of strength? I'm like, I don't know if you've been watching this team closely enough. Like they, they're, I think they're desperate for a physical player. I, I think they're more desperate for a physical player at the point of attack than they are a bendier rusher, right? So to me, if you get a really physical guy, because one kind of knock so far on Hargrave is like, Hargrave can rush, but he's not Mr. Just run pull stuff. two guys and yeah. play the run. Right. So th- they need more physicality up front. And Bosa, because he plays hard, really good against the run. Right. Well, if Chase Young is too, it's like, well, then the two middle linebackers get to, you know, make all the tackles. If you watch the Raiders, you're like, if you had four Crosbys, you couldn't play against them. So now the Niners feel pretty good about two of their four. Armstead's really good just because he's so long. And it doesn't put as much pressure on Hargrave out there. But it also goes back to like, they got to get some leads. They get some leads, then they get a huge benefit. I mean, they, they don't have Sam Adams and Tony Saragusa in there regardless, even it, by adding Chase Young. It really is double whammy, right? Their offense is built to play from ahead, and their defense is built to play from ahead. Like, both of them are built to play from ahead. Yeah. The offense is the defense is built to pass rush when you're trying to score, and the offense is built to run the rock down your throat. You lis- did you listen to Lombardi's pod yesterday? No. And he's a very pro Kyle Shanahan. I mean, he's been singing his praises for a decade. It's like the one negative with his offense, he doesn't have a drop back passing game. Like that, that is not the core of their offense. It's not what they practice. The majority of the passing game, and he's right, is based on run looks. If they truly have to, they obviously have a shotgun set in their offense, but I would not say that's a part of their offense. They have plays that is not their offense. And I, I do think that reflects. And you can say, well, listen, they've never had Mahomes or Josh Allen. That's true. But the way they play, no wonder they never win when they're down eight. Because that's not how he wants to play ever. He's much more inclined down 10 with seven minutes left to still call some run plays. Because then he gets him to his pass plays. And I mean, we're nitpicking at the highest level because he's had a lot of success doing this. But I do think at the, this is a guy that wants to win a Super Bowl and a team like, 
I do think you have to be more open-minded. You now have a quarterback that I do think you could install just some other sets from other teams that just we could run a drive where we're spread out. And that could be even with injuries. Like I said it when Debo went out. You still have more than enough with Kittle can play in the slot. McCaffrey can play in the slot. Obviously, Ayuk outside. Juwan Jennings is a fucking excellent like fifth option on a team. You got multiple other running backs. Say what, listen, Elijah's slow to come back, but he's still a versatile player. I, I feel comfortable throwing screens to Mason. Like you have no excuse to not do that. And I just, that's not what we do. And I, that's just, and I'm not saying he said those words, but his actions show that. And that's just, you got to be careful with that because that's, we have more than enough evidence now that your inability to come back is a problem. Yeah. Like a problem. Oh, for 38. Uh, trailing by eight or more in the fourth. Before I follow up on that, anything else on Chase Young? Any other? Uh, I just think the price you paid for him. I mean, that's, I think they would have, they do that all day. I would yeah. imagine they would have loved to do this a month ago. But if you're the Washington, you're not giving them away for that until you know that's the only value. Right. I think a lot of teams, right? If you think about other teams you're bidding against, you go, well, we're just going to give away a third round pick. A lot of teams don't have these comp picks for a player that more than likely, even if it goes well, would get a lot of money and then we're not going to resign. So it's, you kind of, you got lucky. Like who were you truly bidding against? Right. Or sweat probably had a bigger, much bigger uh, market just because the Niners, Seattle, whoever would like him. Right. Leonard Williams goes to Seattle. Which Uh, I thought was kind of a lot for a guy that's going to be a free agent too. Yeah, I know. But I, I appreciate that they just always push the envelope. Um, I'll just to follow up on your Shanahan offensive point. You know, I think part of the, there was all these little elements that work into it. But part of the problem, John, is they when their receivers get open, it's usually because they are schemed open, not because it's one on one beat a guy by five steps. Right? I mean, it well, is. Yeah, you can get open running any route. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the times he's open, open is more. It is the the play has schemed a spot for him in a zone defense to be open. More so, I than, think Brandon Ayuk in a normal offense get open running routes like a good wide receiver. Yeah, I, I'm just that's not where he gets open. It feels like in this offense, he's not three steps past a guy down because, the sideline. You know, you just don't see it. They don't. Much. They don't. They don't really run go routes. <laughs> I know it's because I think they can't separate down the field. That's the only explanation because this guy supposedly uh, should be able to throw it. I feel like Ayuk's open on everybody. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know. It feels to me like he's often open in a big ass pocket that you're like, how did he get that open? Well, it got schemed open as opposed to one-on-one wins, but I don't know. He definitely wins in the red zone on some of those. Like he does. You know, That's true. Jerk routes, you know, the option routes. Yeah. Well, I mean, those are just the only place Kyle runs are just the play action, drag him across the middle of the field. I mean, that's just, that's his fucking offense, which I hate him being critical of it. Cause he has a lot of history now of it working. But just because something works, like it's hard to be critical of the triangle. Feels like, yeah, we're winning championships every right, right. And there are going to be flaws to everything, right? Like no system's going to be perfect. Yes, I got an argument the other day because I I defended Wilkes, even though I'm not even a fan. You're not even defending him. It's it's insane that he had to apologize for that when the offensive coach would never do that. People like Andy Reid ran the same play in the Super Bowl. It's like, well, yeah. You can run any play for Patrick Mahomes, and he can keep himself safe. I don't think it's fair to say you can run the same play for a quarterback who's made seven career starts who is Mr. Irrelevant. And ultimately, we're in a results-oriented business, and he got injured. 
So, like, why did you run that play? Now, maybe Andy stole it from them. He saw it worked against this team, and it would work with his quarterback because his quarterback knows what to do. I know. I so, mean, I the- just – we're nitpicking. Again, this is nitpicking successful stuff, but ultimately until you win it all, that's kind of what happens. Well, it's the nitpicks that cost you when you're trying to win a championship because the margins are really thin. And it's you're playing the Chiefs or you're playing the Bengals or you're playing the Eagles on the road or you're you're playing the Lions on the road, John, in the dome. You know, like that's a scary proposition. Somebody asked me today that are the Niners the Niners shouldn't be afraid of playing the Lions on the road. And I said, Of course they should be. Now I'm not the biggest Lions guy, as you know, but there's a big difference between playing Jared Goff on grass at home in January in open air and playing Jared Goff on turf. Can you imagine? what that Detroit crowd is going to be like for playoff games. It's going to be a zoo in that place. It's going to be loud as shit. So there's a big difference between playing the lions on the road in January and getting golf outside at your place. A massive difference. Um, I, th- I mean, I think they hit on it last night and Troy and Joe's like, we've done this game a lot in the years where they were shitty and we had to come here on Thanksgiving and it was, it was kind of sad. Yeah. And they're like, this is nothing like that. <laughs> This is alive and rocking. And like you said, what do they do pretty well? They run the football. And what's the problem right now for the 49ers? Not exactly stopping the run. Right. So you, you need, like, it's, I mean, we've got a lot of football left, but they could be a two seed or, excuse a three seed. You could be a six. They could be a one like seed. Your margin for error now, like, it's not like you're just going to run the table from here on out. They're five and two, and they've got like five wins on their schedule, just automatic right now, unless they turn into the old Lions. Are they five and two or six and two? Or maybe they're six and two now. They're six and two. Six and two. Okay. Yeah. They they could be the one seed. Well, guy, they I mean they got to play the Chargers. They got to play the Chargers, and then they get to rattle off Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears, Broncos, Vikings with Dobbs or the BYU guy. Cowboys tough game and with the Vikings again with no quarterback. Yeah, and Bears is an outdoor November or December game, right? Yeah, but the Bears fucking terrible. Well, I know. I'm just I'm just saying, like weird shit happens over the course of half a season. So maybe if yeah, you okay, give them one so more let's thing, say they, they even if they lose three more games, that's what I'm saying. They they they, they are twelve and five. They're or the Niners, do you feel comfortable that the Niners are gonna go twelve and five right now? Uh which would be Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say comfortable, no. Well, they have nine games remaining, so to get to 12, they would have to win seven, seven and two the rest of the season. They just lost three straight games, and they're just going to cruise seven and two? Well, it won't be a cruise, I promise you that. <laughs> won't be a cruise. Maybe Steve Wilkes to the field, John. This was, as two people who have been around college football a lot, now you said Larry Kruger asked Kyle the question, and Kyle said, "I saw it someone." I, I saw. Okay. I, I think the it was answer Larry was, "I'm going to have a private conversation with Steve Wilkes, and we'll talk about it." You know, which maybe is a normal, a fine answer. I, I don't want to analyze all Kyle's answers, but Steve Wilkes to the field is the most predictable conversation on a bye week. You brought it up. I, it honestly didn't even cross my mind. Well, it's just what happens in college football all the time. Offenses that are struggling, the OC always wants to be on the field. They send him to the booth. And defenses that are struggling, they pull the guy from the booth. They bring him to the field so he can somehow unify his heart with his middle linebacker's heart and make him beat us one together. 
to me, the only reason this makes sense is if you've talked, if Kyle talks to Fred Warren, Fred's like, you know, we're just not making in in game adjustments fast enough because we can't communicate. And I'm so used to being able to communicate with the defensive coordinator. Nick Bosa's like, I can't talk through this guy on the phone. Kasarik trying to talk to Wilkes. It doesn't work because Kasarik's doing something else. So I'm talking to his assistant and it's just not working. If you told me that was the case, like they have breakdown in their communication line, I'd go, okay. Otherwise, unless you give me another good reason, John, it feels like some sort of just – I know Wilkes doesn't want to be on the field because he's not. He prefers to be in the booth. So what they always say is, like, I just got to look my guys in the eye. But he's not going to be down there punching guys in the sternum anyway. That's not his thing. So it seems like a waste of energy to me. You know what's crazy is when you pull up Wilkes – for some reason in my head, I thought he had been a defensive coordinator a lot longer. I know. For a lot of his career, just yes. DB coach, DB coach, assistant head coach, Brown's assistant DC head coach. 19. Yeah, so 17 was his first year as a defensive coordinator. Then he gets the Cardinals job, which was an utter disaster, even if I give him a pass on that year. One and done in Cleveland. Oh, a year off. Team. Then Mizzou. Then That's the Panthers. Weird. Yeah, I mean, he has. it's not like he's got his 20-year of experience. I think you tell me if this is true. When it happens in college a lot, did you listen to Dabo's rant? I did, yes. Did you listen? Yeah, when Dabo Loved dropped the uh, one of my favorite lines was uh when I heard Tony Elliott guy hadn't called a play a day in his life, he thought I was a fucking idiot. And then Tony Elliott, you know, I wonder he said, if Tony a lot took of times, us to this Tony he said he took us to two championships. I wonder if how often in college it is a truly a guy their first time calling offense or defense when that move happens. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's fair that that happens a lot? Like it's not like will Muschamp ain't making the move or, you know, whoever, you know, a, a coordinator grub or, you know, uh, a Tedford guy, right? Like Jonathan Smith, those guys, when they're like, if they've been calling offense or defense for a while, they're comfortable doing it a certain way. And they just stay is a lot of time. It might be, 34-year-old, I gave this guy an opportunity. It's going a little weird. Let's move down. Let's try something different. You, you, we don't even know what you're good at yet. I, I don't know. Yeah, or I will say so the, my one, the one that comes to mind is Troy Taylor, who'd been an offensive coach for a long time. He's Stanford's head coach now. He had previously been like Eastern Washington's OC when they had Cooper Cup and Kendrick Bourne. And he takes the Utah job with Kyle Winningham, who at the time had a re- revolving door. And he coaches on the field. To me, that's like, hey, I'm an established OC. That's what I'm comfortable doing. And it wasn't going great. And he got sent to the booth, not by his choice. So I bet it happens that way too sometimes, right? We're like two guys get kind of matched. The new guy, the coach says, all right, I'll let you do. I think you should be up there, but I'll let you do your thing. Because if you watch, the Utah OC now is in the booth. He's been in the booth. Like that's where Kyle wants him. So anyway, I I, you know what's weird in the NFL? The amount of head coaches that are offensive play callers, well, they're all on the sideline, right? Right, right. All of them. Because you have to be, right? You can't be a head coach from the well, You 100% have to be, but clearly most of them are regarded as like the best coaches in the league. Like That's Andy, true. Sean Payton, Kyle, McVay. Like point. They have no problem calling plays. Right. Now, obviously you have eyes and ears up there, people helping you out, but it's the same thing as a defensive coordinator. But then you watch, I would say two of the, the big name defensive coordinators, Dan Quinn is a definitely a chest bump, solid D'Amico energy guy. He's in the booth. And I would say Fangio as a coordinator is always in the booth. Like they're clearly more comfortable up there seeing stuff. 
Now, I would say Vic and Dan's personalities are a little bit different. I, I do think their message, they're both really good. But I, I don't know. Vic is more like I, Wilkes, you're saying, from a personality standpoint. Who? Fangio is like Wilkes. Yeah, he's not a bit. He wouldn't, if he was on the sideline, be chest pumping, screaming, right? But in a meeting room, I think he lights you up. Yeah. So I guess my overall point is, I clearly Wilkes is comfortable right there. I, I I don't think the reason, good or bad, that they miss a tackle or he's calling a stupid defense is where he's standing. I still think the same defense would get called. And also, he's not the coming to the is, field to start acting like Salah and pumping guys up or D'Amico. I just think when you look at it philosophically. Does he know what he's doing with this group? And I, I think that's fair to question. And I, I thought it was a fireable offense, how ugly it got really fast with how his players were talking. But to be a fireable offense in this situation, in the context of being the defensive coordinator, you do have to replace him. And it's pretty clear, like, like D'Amico ain't on this staff. There's a reason, I would say, when D'Amico left, he didn't hire a guy from the staff. Doesn't that tell you everything you need to know? Because ideally, that's what he would have done. Right? He didn't take like a secondary coach with him? Well, he did, but I'm saying if you made that guy your defensive coordinator, wouldn't he stay? Oh, right, right, right. So it's yeah. like Kyle was not comfortable naming any of those guys as defensive coordinator, which, listen, it's not it's not always going to be as seamless as like, there's D'Amico, right? Andy one time went from like Doug to Nagy. Like sometimes it's an easy, sometimes you just like got to call someone else. One time he hired um, Castillo. Luis, what was his first name? Juan. Juan Castillo. His, Luis, his okay. son, Luis, I think played at Iowa, is now on Andy's staff. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, like to me, the only explanation that I would buy is not just pandering. Is like we need to be able to adjust faster and the players need to be able to give him feedback, which just becomes like, now these guys are running their defense. Like, hey, man. This isn't working, and I want to tell you that directly. If you told me that's what was happening, I'd say, okay, that's actually an attempt to fix something. Otherwise, it's just it's pandering. So I'd be I'd be a little surprised well, if they do it, actually. Well, clearly, we're. I mean, he would have been fired already because you would transition immediately. Right. Uh, I don't think he's going to get fired. But I do think big picture, if this defense is a huge reason why this team takes a step back, I'd be hard-pressed to see him come back, wouldn't you? Yes. Given the urgency, the amount of money they're paying people, uh, the way Kyle threw him under the bus. Kyle threw him under the bus. What middle of October? <laughs> yeah, it's just I mean, uh, less than halfway through the season. That's pretty early. <laughs> yeah, without hesitation. And then the other dude has to open up his press conference apologizing. And I feel I, I, I think this guy's not very good. Like he makes me very very nervous. But I do think the situation for that two or three day stretch was pretty outrageous. It was for a play that it, happened it, at the end of a half, not a, not the game, the end of the first half. And I do think because like some of the other teams, for example, like the Jets are kind of in the mix, the Eagles are doing shit, Belichick's going crazy. Some of the big Northeast teams have a lot going on that that almost flew under the radar, radar nationally. It did. If also, the Cowboys it, had just done what the Niners did, I think it would have been a massive story. Maybe it's because Wilkes, the name, he's not as polarizing or you know famous of a guy, but that is a major, major NFL wow new story that's just uh, a needle mover. Maybe it's the way Kyle said it; it just felt so matter of fact. Like you didn't, if you heard the tone, you wouldn't have realized necessarily what was happening. 
without the context but, but it, of it. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't even end there. It's then obviously he was going to come out. You didn't even need to know how the press conference was going to go. You know he was going to open his press conference by bringing that up, right? And, and then John getting asked about it on KNBR and clearly... Kyle getting asked about it again. I would say John doing it very tactfully, but probably being a un- little uncomfortable. Like, I wouldn't have handled it this way. Like, this is not... This is this is not in my football experience a productive way to handle it. Right. Forrester's getting asked about it. He's like, you know, it's football, and I he's an offensive line coach. I don't even blame him. But it's like everyone got no, asked about it. I, I think it's even weird what Kyle said on Monday when he said, "I'm going to have a private conversation about him." When when he was asked about the booth move, like, was well, there is there a chance? I know the conversation is going to be private. You're not going to live stream it. Well, you and I have a good experience of someone pretty quickly just being dead to you. But if you're working with them, and this guy didn't work for us, we didn't technically work for him, but we, you know, he in the hierarchy, I guess he was above us. But once someone's dead to you, it's hard to take them seriously. It happens in coaching. And maybe you're in a situation in coaching like we just kind of laid out. I can't really fire him because I don't have any other options. I got to ride this out. But Kyle's personality, it's hard for him to hide it. It's why when players get in the doghouse, he just don't play, right? It's like the way he gets with certain guys. And when he loves you, he's actually pretty outspoken and candid about like his positive nature with guys. He's actually kind of a love-up guy in public, like the players he likes and appreciates what they're doing. I, I do wonder, is there a chance that Kyle's like, God, I fucked up, and I'm, but I'm in so deep, but it's yeah, very hard for him to hide it. Uh, last thing here, John from Keith Super Chat said, I felt more comfortable with the team at three and four last year after losing to the Bears, Falcons, and Broncos than I do with this team at five and three. There's a special pain that comes with being five and oh, being on top of the world. I don't know if you saw Micah Parsons said, like, the Niners humbled us and now they got humbled. <laughs> like, yeah, it's being five and oh, you kind of feel like you're cruising. And then uh, you he, feel like he got he problems. rattles off some takes and then he, he brought it fully back. Like, yeah, listen, they're good, they'll be fine. He likes Purdy. Do you notice that? He's like, you know, yeah. everyone's crushing Purdy. He's like, it's their defense. I know. I, I I felt good seeing a few people who like broke down the tape going like, you know, I think per- I think Sherman said it. Sherman's like, you know, Brock was pretty good. And then he had awful interceptions. But the other stuff he did was, you watched the game he played. And yeah, Mike Sando wrote he had more 20-plus yard passes last week than any other quarterback. He had nine. I, I don't he was do explosive. I, I might go back and GFF it. I know that – uh. The problem is a, 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 an interception is worth dramatically well, more on the other side. That was my Monday morning kind of as I thought about it. Take was like if I had GFF graded all the scores, he'd have like all these plus, he'd be like plus eight, and then he'd have two minus four throws, and it would just be a zero. So, well, his pick where the guy tipped it off in front of his face was a run play. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's why it makes. Well, sense no, it wasn't, John. Was, well, that's why it makes sense why he was kind of caught in no man's panic. It's like, yeah, it's it's so that is a reflection, like I said, of until you on specific play like that, like even Kyle said, the other play he got tricked. He thought the guy was going, okay, like that's a bad pick. It's we've seen that happen to everybody, even though it can't happen in that spot getting tricked, but you got tricked. It's it's understandable. The play where you fuck up a handoff. And then you try to go like you do a couple series later, hero. It's cool when you throw across your body and you hit Kittle and then McCaffrey for a touchdown. It ain't cool when the guy tips it. I I saw the replay the other day at the gym. 
do you know how lucky the Niners were that he didn't keep like just yes. kind of being more in and like six. I don't know how fast the guy is if he takes it 90, but he definitely would have taken it 50, right? No. He would have got way down there. What would you say? 50-50 chance he takes the house? Uh no, it felt to me like 70-30. <laughs> he just was far enough over where he couldn't kind of get his body weight because he was so going that yeah. way. Yeah. But if they were a yard farther inside he would have been able to turn it. He would have had so much momentum. Everyone's going this way. I'd say best case scenario, they tackle him at like the 20. Because he would have got to the 50 without anyone within 10 yards. Everybody's in like needed. the, everyone's in the end zone. I mean. Yeah. And where he's probably around the 10. Yeah. he. I, unless Purdy could catch him, which Purdy feels short yardage faster than long speed. So. Yeah. I'm not sure Purdy's got, he's got a 90 yard sprint in him. I think he scores. And if, if he scores on that, does the reaction look a hundred times worse than the Purdy game? Yeah, I mean they end up punting like, on that play or on that <laughs> on that possession. But if that turns into a pick six, I think Purdy's taking even more arrows than he's taking. Yeah, and they lose even worse than they did. But I would say that if that turned into a pick six, that's one of the worst pick sixes you'll ever see. It would have been an awful highlight. You're right. The fact that it doesn't get touchdown return, it gets played less. You know when Kyle like moved his, I, you, I'm not a very good lip reader, but he said something. Yeah. As everyone's kind of walking off the field. Yeah, it was ugly. It was ugly. Did you have a guess at what he said? No clue. Can't make that play, Brock. Is that what he said? No, I don't know. We're Next fucked. Time, sit it down. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, just sit down. All right. On that note, Wilkes, Wilkes, can your guys ever do that? Yeah. God damn it, Steve. Steve's like what? <laughs> Gotta stop. They got a sack actually on the next play. They, so Steve stepped up on the next play. They went, they forced a three and out. They almost got a fumble on Chase. It was a good series after that. It was big time. All right. Uh, I'm going to go watch the Raider game again for the third time. But uh, good luck, Josh. There's the, there's color rush, and then there's whatever the hell the Lions Raiders were wearing, both on Monday night, just all gray. I look, right. I mean, Anyway, who cares? All right. Bye, everybody. Cool, yo. See you. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.